Welcome to Bears Over Beers. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer from Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined, as always, by EJ Snyder, a rather exhausted senior draft analyst. EJ, how you holding up? I'm doing all right. Uh, I was definitely more exhausted last night. Now I'm just a little fired up because I love this day of the draft. We're recording live during the final rounds of the draft. This is when, you know, personnel staffs and scouts make their money and you see a lot of players who are sort of unheralded come in and and play really serious roles. So it's kind of like the day after Christmas when you get all those extra presents. Um, it's just it's great. So I'm I'm fired up. Yeah, you have been on a live stream for, I don't know, the last 48 hours straight or some untold number or something <laughs> like that. You were on live stream for a very long time on your uh, other project. I won't call it a side project. It's a it's the other project, um, Bootleg Football, and did a great job there. I tuned in for a while, and uh, you and Brett did a phenomenal job breaking down the draft and just uh, an amazing knowledge of – the entire field of players, but we're going to focus in on Bears players. I think I'm going to also ask you about the rest of the NFC North, if we've got a little time. Uh, give everybody some bearings on where we're at during the day. Uh, looks like the Vikings just made their you know 18th pick of this draft. Of this round. Uh, yeah, of this <laughs> round even. Um, so we're, oh, we're in round man. six. Uh, and uh, pick 205, and so we're we're not that far away from the Bears picks. We're going to react live when we see the Bears picks, so that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, I did twist EJ's arm just a little bit to go grab a beer, so uh, what are you drinking today, EJ? I did. Thank you very much for reminding me. Uh, I, I have so much crap in my man cave right now because I have all these screens and my notes, and, and I've been, you know, I've had coffee and water and koozies and i looked around and there was no more beer so i ran up to the fridge and i got a fremont brewing lush ipa um which is local here seattle brewer and it's funny because it's the beer that i end up drinking um for those of you know i watch games that i can't see at home at buffalo wild wings because they have the nfl game pass and the one beer on tap that they have that i really like is fremont lush so uh, it's a little bit of a harken back to football season for me so that's a fun little throwback but um, just a good clean drinking IPA um, made with varietal hops. They uh, they have different versions of Lush depending on which uh, section of hops, and they put that on the can and let you know sort of which uh, – I, I almost said pressing, but that's a completely different fermented beverage. Um, it is, and I'm looking forward to it. It is uh, – it's a nice reward at the end of a very long day. And thank you for your comments it's about the bootleg football stuff. It was fun to see you pop into the chat and give me some crap there. Uh, always nice to see home folks from WCG, uh, come in there, but yeah, it was a good time. We did three days of live stream. What do you have to drink? Yeah, I'm, I'm working on a, I'm going to have a day crush session sour ale. I thought a very appropriate draft beer is, you know, cause we always come up with these crushes, these, you know, draft crushes, whatever you have. And so I've been saving this one for quite a while. It's from Evolution Craft Brewing. Uh, that's out of Maryland. And so this one I, I got, and I said, this looks like a draft beer. So it's a, it's a sour ale. Um, so it's a nice little Saturday afternoon drink. So let's, uh, let's get that going. Well played, man. I love it. I love the tie-in. I wish I had a better tie-in, but I'm just happy I have a beer. I'm, I'm just happy you're upright. Cause, I, cause it's been I am too. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a heck of a go. So the original plan was to do a uh, a live stream for about an hour before the first day of the draft on Thursday night, and then maybe an hour worth of reaction. 
Uh, we were going to do the same thing for yesterday uh, for rounds two, three, uh, or sorry, for rounds two and three. And we ended up just kind of plowing on through the first round because we were having a good time and the questions were coming in and, and we had really good viewership. And, and Brett just said, hey, do you want to stay on? And I sort of stupidly said, oh, yeah, sure, no problem. Hadn't eaten was really counting on the break I was going to get during the draft. And uh, so we just plowed on, ended up being five and a half, six hours the first day. And then we did the same thing yesterday, which was, again, super fun, amazing, make hay while the sun shines, really enjoyed all the interaction. We had people from all over the world. We had people from Ireland and Poland and Russia and Uzbekistan and Taiwan. And it was it was really crazy. So it was a lot, a lot of fun. Both of those are posted on the Bootleg Football YouTube site. You can go see them, replay them if you want to. And then today, we were a little bit smarter about it. We did half an hour of pre, uh, just the first two rounds, five, uh, four and five, and then took a break. And uh, A allows me to do this, but I also got to eat lunch today, um, You know, go to the bathroom in a reasonable fashion. So all those things are good. Uh, yeah, I did see you eat chicken wings on camera, mm. which was not something I ever thought that we would uh, we would have. I am. I gotta <laughs> say, I ended up eating a bunch because I just needed food, or I was gonna pass out. But I am terribly uncomfortable sort of being on camera in the first place, and eating on camera just kind of makes me want to throw up a little bit. But I again thought I was gonna get a dinner break and didn't, so I was about ready to pass out. And my wife, who you know, who's wonderful. Um, went out and got me some chicken wings and this lush beer, and I can't thank her enough. She probably saved my life. And shout out to your oldest, who had on an orange bear shirt that I could tell from the background where he popped in for four or five seconds. Yeah, you know where that came from? Uh, camp, I would imagine. That is a camp purchase. That is a Bears Pro Shop um, bargain table at camp in the kids' sizes. Yeah, so Koa got himself a bear shirt. So Excellent. yeah, they they do like the bears, which is good. I, somebody on the chat said, "Oh hey, I feel you, my you know my kids. Are, I'm a Bears fan, and my kids a Packers fan because I had said something about another sort of rivalry fan base, and I was like, oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> like I don't have to deal with that. Luckily, yeah, that's going wrong in parenting. Yeah, right that's there. tough. Yeah, that's tough. All right, well let's let's get into this draft. So actually, I want to start on Thursday night. Because the Bears did not have a first-round draft pick. That's the mm-hmm. final piece of the Khalil Mack trade. So that pick swap ended up being pick 19 uh, that went to the Raiders and got back pick 43 from the Raiders for that second-round pick swap. Uh, basically what I want to point out is that despite some of our worst fears, Ryan Pace did not trade back up into the first round. So, yeah, that was that was huge. That was where we were all holding our breath, and anybody who wanted to needle us was poking at us, going, "Ryan Pace is going to trade up. He's going to trade all your 2021 picks." And I was like, Stop it! Stop it! He can hear you, um, and he didn't. So that was pretty darn good. So commendable for that because we had talked. We've talked many times about is Pace willing to change his approach in the draft, and we'll get a little bit down to the trade that he made using next year's capital in a bit, but. Again, it, it wasn't a top three round pick, and he wasn't you know pushing to get back up into that first round, which I was very happy with. He didn't package those two second round picks to try to run up and get one first round or whatever. So great night Thursday for me because he did not pull the trigger on any trade. Uh, uh, Saturday, uh, sorry, Friday woke up and to some rumors that well, you know, the, the Bears are interested in maybe trading up into the second round a little higher to get their guy. I started to get really nervous, started to sweat. That didn't happen. They stayed to pick 43. So again, commendable to stay there. 
Uh, obviously, I was a big proponent of trying to trade that pick down to try to gain an extra pick in this uh, pretty deep draft class. They did not do that. They stayed at 43 and selected Cole Kmet, tight end out of Notre Dame. Walk us through what the board said and the value that was potentially there, and then let's talk about the player himself because that's two different conversations that we need to have. Absolutely, uh, and we do need to have both of them. Uh, I was disappointed in the selection because of the first thing you mentioned, how well the board had presented itself according to the Bears' needs. And sometimes the board, quote-unquote, falls the way you want it to, and sometimes it just really doesn't. And in this particular case, I can't really think of a board falling better for the Bears' needs than it was set up at the time. There's always those picks that you see come in the draft and you're a little bit surprised by, and usually you know, that's fine as long as it's another team, and that means it's pushing players that you want on your team down the board, right? So that's how value gets built during a draft. And as they came in to pick 43, even if they couldn't trade down, and I understand that they probably couldn't because there's so much value in the second round there's probably 20 guys that are going to start in the second round and that's it's usually about eight or ten who are going to start in the second round this was an incredibly deep wide sort of second round value so nobody feels the need to get up to get that one guy because there's a bunch of guys left on their board so trading down you're either going to get less value or people just aren't going to do it they're just going to say nah i'm fine sitting here but as the bears roll into 43 prior to picking cole Komet, um they have a bunch of needs. Tight end is one of them, certainly for the future. I don't think anybody on the roster uh, right now keeps you, precludes you from taking a tight end with the talent they have. Um, so tight end is definitely a need, but they had a strong need at safety. They had a need for a speed wide receiver, uh, and they had a need at corner. And the way the board was set up, two very good, highly rated safeties, uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. and Grant Delpit from LSU are sitting there. My favorite is Winfield Jr. I think he's a transcendent player. I really think he's a talent. I don't necessarily agree with taking a safety high up, and there are players down beneath him. We'll talk about one that might show up on the Bears in the seventh round later in the podcast, but those two guys are sitting there, and they are preeminent talents. Delpit's a great pass protector. Winfield is great in both phases, coming forward and going backward. Great instincts, plays with great speed. I would have been over the moon as you can tell, if they had selected Antoine Winfield Jr. And K.J. Hamler, who is the key to opening up the Bears' offense in terms of rare speed from the slot, who can really open up a defense and open up those underneath routes that Matt Nagy has been trying to do since he got to Chicago, tried to trade for Albert Wilson, ended up getting Taylor Gabriel, who didn't really retain that top-end burst. They need a burner, and all those guys are sitting there. Um, Chase Claypool is still on the board. Um uh, Jalen Johnson, who the Bears ended up picking, but was still on the board. Um, Denzel Mims was still on the board. <laughs> if you want to go edge, Josh Uche was there. Right. He has a ton of burst. There's just a lot of guys on the board. So even if you can't trade down, you look at the value and somebody says, oh, well, it's tight end one. Well, tight end one in this particular class is, I think, a late second round, maybe early third round player in terms of value. Um, and over and over, Ryan Pace says, best player available, best player available. And even if you modify that for need, positional need, 
He wasn't the best player available at a position of need, even. That's Antoine Winfield Jr. in in anybody's player ratings. I never saw Komet rated higher than Winfield Jr. Like, not. And they have a need at both spots. If you're truly picking BPA, even with adjusted need, that's Winfield Jr. or Delpit, whichever one you like better. Um, And, you know, I think Hamler is a little more equal in terms of valuation, uh, draft-wise, in terms of Cole Komet. But... Again, he's going to go sooner, and Komet's going to go later. Uh, and there's other things you can get a tight end as well. So that whole argument comes into it. Um, but I was disappointed they weren't able to trade down. I understand why that might not have happened, but I was also disappointed that they didn't take the best player available at a position of need. Yeah, I just want to say that you know, there's a couple guys that I you know, had those draft day crushes on. You know, Hamler was kind of my guy after our wide receivers episode. I kind of latched onto him as being – the guy that I really saw opening up this offense. We'll get to the speed wide receiver here at, at some point in this episode, but you know, it's it's not necessarily about the player not being a good fit or a good person or a good player or anything like that. It's more about value and understanding what was on the board. Definitely revealed to me just how panicky I think Ryan Pace has been about the tight end position this offseason with signing Jimmy Graham to a very large deal that I can't imagine anybody else was offering. And then getting potentially very antsy and wanting, so rumor has it, to trade up didn't, which is good. Um, and then, and then <laughs> we should we should count that as a win. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you know there there were Pace said that he had opportunities to trade down, but felt like he couldn't because of all the value that was staring him in the face, something to that effect. And and I'll say like you know my instant reaction to that is like oh no, but we don't know what the deals were that, you know, those deals might've been really far down in the draft. They might've been capital into next year. Pace might've felt like he just could not uh, pull the trigger with those specifics. We'll never know without seeing these specific draft day deals that were out there. And then the fact is we'll never see them. So we're never going to be able to really make, uh, you know, an evaluation on whether or not he should have done that. But the fact is that we both kind of had the same reaction of, Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Um, There just was some, really dynamic talent available my when i woke up yesterday and i kept thinking about what i thought the bears were going to do in the draft i kept coming around to the first thing that they need to do is address the corner position and so i put out a tweet i said all right everybody put put your marker down like if the bears stay at 43 and 50 and i just had this feeling that they were going to do so if they stay at 43 and 50 who are you picking? Who are the guys that you think are going to get to you? And I said, Jalen Johnson, cornerback, Utah. That was the guy that I wanted. I, I looked at the guys that were still available that I thought may still be there at 43. And I said, Jalen Johnson's my guy. He did not get selected at 43. He got selected at 50. But I was incredibly happy about Jalen Johnson being a Chicago Bear. Tell me why I'm so happy. <laughs> Yeah, Jalen Johnson, you should be happy about. He is a guy I did not think was going to get out of the first round. Might have been people's uh, uneasiness with his medicals. He's had some shoulder surgery. That's not an issue before everybody panics. Um, Looks like the shoulders are well healed and shouldn't be a big deal. But Jalen Johnson is a physical press corner with length, uh, played at a very physical defense at Utah, Um, good speed, playmaking ability, Uh, Just an ideal fit for the Bears. Didn't think he was ever going to make it out of the first, um, especially not within the last month when anybody really dug into his game, uh, when people started sort of 
aligning boards and doing mocks probably two, two and a half months ago in earnest. He was a solid second rounder and just steadily climbed up into the back end of the first round conversation. Did not think he was going to be within reach of the Bears. Really thought the Bears were going to be picking from a guy like Cameron Dantzler or Bryce Hall. Um, uh, maybe Damon Arnett, who ended up going early in the first round to the Raiders. Those are all fits for the Bears, but didn't think Jalen Johnson's going to be there. He is a lockstep fit for what Pagano wants to do in the defense, and he's only going to get better. He's still an ascending player. He's good as he is. He can start, I think, right away um, You know, as a rookie and still get better. He's not capped out. He's not at his ceiling, um, either physically or mentally. But he's a good enough player right now to start and hold up against bigger receivers that you're going to see in the NFC North. So the addition of Jalen Johnson is a flat-out win at 43, at 50, whenever you get him. Uh, great player to add to the stable at a, at a large position of need and a premium position, right? Corner is one of those positions with edge and quarterback that it's a premium position. If you don't get him in the draft, you end up overpaying him in free agency. So kind of a double or even a triple win for the Bears. Great addition. Now, let me ask you this question because I've been thinking about it since this happened. If the Bears flipped those picks, if they took Johnson at 43, and then because they took Johnson at 43, they lost the opportunity to take Winfield, they lost the opportunity to take Delpit and Hamler. Um, I think those were the three big ones that went off in between those two picks that I would, and they went right one, two, three. Um, Yep. So let's say it was Johnson at 43 Mm -hmm. and then Komet at 50. What would your feeling be right now? I It's funny. I, I guess I probably didn't say this because you're asking me the question, and I imagined you'd listen to it. But we did the immediate reaction pod with Robert Schmitz, and that's Jacob Infante, me, and Robert Schmitz on a, on a quick reaction pod. And I think I probably said it after we ended up cutting it because you wouldn't be asking me about it. I said, you know, if they flip these picks, I'd feel better about them. Um, and again, we don't feel badly about Komet. Komet is a good player. We kind of skipped over talking about him. He's a good player who will contribute more a wide in-line tight end, uh, a decent receiver, not a great blocker. Uh, I had somebody jump all over me on Twitter this morning and say, oh, he's a tremendous run blocker. You should watch more film. I was like, (laughs) okay, (laughs) I already watch a lot. That might be an OD. But um, no, Komet's a good player, and he will, you know, he's a lifelong Bears fan, went to Notre Dame. Uh, He is a good player. He was probably TE1 in this draft. Now, it wasn't a great TE draft. So like I said, TE1 could be, in terms of round value, round valuation of end of the second, beginning of the third. So it's a little bit early for him. He's not a bad player, and I certainly don't wish any ill on Cole Komet. I hope he succeeds. He's a bear now. Um, But in terms of the value and what you could have had, um, 43 for Jalen Johnson, I would have been totally comfortable with. Still would have thought that was a great value. Yeah, they wouldn't have gotten Winfield, Delpit, Hamler. They went off one, two, three, Delpit, Winfield, Hamler in that order. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't take a shot at a guy like Chase Claypool, who also might have been off, uh, went off at 49 uh, right before the Bears chose Jalen Johnson. But there's still other guys. When you go down the board, Denzel Mims was still there. Josh Uche was still there. Um, some of the other positions that they went after still there. So, yeah, you know, you can play this game all day, but I would have been fine with Johnson at 43. Komet at 50 would have sat with me a little bit better, um, but still probably would have felt like a little bit of a reach because I don't think he's an equal to um, Denzel Mims uh, for sure. And I think that would have been a very nice fit for the Bears. Um as it is, they end up with two quality players. They do sit. They don't add any more picks. Uh, and they move on. 
both guys are probably going to contribute this year. Uh, you know, it's solid, right? It's solid. That's what it is. Yeah, and to be complete with the thought, my uh, my tweet, I said Jalen Johnson and Denzel Mims. That was the order that I thought that they were going to take the two. That could have happened. Uh, those two were available at both of those spots. So I, I was close. Man, if that would have happened, I would have been peacocking around for right. you know, months as it is one out of two it's not bad i feel pretty good you, about calling it uh, do you want to tell everybody what my guesses were uh, i think it was antoine winfield and jalen johnson yep yep and that could have happened that could have happened right? that and i would have been very happened. happy with that and that would have been a great daily double for the back end of the defense that would have been two guys who are going to start for five or six years easily if not more um solidify those positions for the bears um, and it would have been very hard to throw on the Bears next year. So, salty. Um, yes, salty defense. So, uh, you know, could have happened. That would have been more ideal. Am I thoroughly upset? I'm not. Komet's good, but it just feels like you left money on the table. Yep. All right. So, what I'm going to do right now is we're going to take a quick break so that we can get that in and over with. And then we are going to come back and talk about uh, day three. All right, EJ, we're back. So let's talk about this fifth round. Uh, Ryan Pace sat on his hands for the first two days and did not trade any future capital. He did not do that on day three. He traded a 2021 fourth round pick to the rival Minnesota Vikings for one of their many late round picks. This one, a fifth rounder, and they took uh, Travis Gibson, a defensive end out of Tulsa. What can you tell us about him? Well, it's funny. I was telling you before we started this pod, uh, we were on the live stream yesterday and, and people were talking about as we sort of started to wind down on, you know, day two, getting to the end of round three, people started talking about, okay, who's the best player on the board? Who's, you know, what positions have good talent available? And one of the names that came up was Bryce Huff, the defensive end from Memphis. And somebody else said, well, you know, if you're talking about Bryce Huff, you're talking about Travis Gibson. And I said, yeah. And I'd watch Gibson. He went to the Senior Bowl. We saw him there. He was a late ad. Um, and I'd watch film before I got there of Gibson. And then I didn't watch him again. And I woke up thinking this morning, oh, man, I woke up about 6 a.m., which is not when I wanted to wake up, mm-hmm. considering when I went to bed. But sometimes your draft analyst brain just turns on. You can't turn it off. And I said, I got to go watch some more film because I feel like Gibson and Huff are two guys I need to watch. It feels like their value is pretty good for the day. I actually put out a tweet this morning before the round started that said, hey, man, there's a lot of juice left on the board at edge. There's Alden Robinson, there's Travis Gibson, there's uh, you know several other guys that I listed off. There's probably six guys in that tweet. Uh, but Gibson was one of them. And then you know the Bears trade up or on live stream and chat starts saying, Bears are trading up, Bears are trading up. And, and quite frankly, the chat had been trying to bait us all day. So I was like, stop it. <laughs> and they're like, no, no, it's real. And I was like, oh, who's he going for? And it comes through that they pick up Travis Gibson from Tulsa. Gibson is a physical specimen. He reminds me of a young Roy Robertson Harris. He's tall. He's got great length. He's very strong. Doesn't have a ton of bend around the edge, but he does have a lot of explosion. Um, very aggressive. A violent tackler when he gets there um, can get around the edge both with uh, speed and with power again not a great bender doesn't get necessarily terribly low uh, but is a player with a lot of athletic ability and 
when he makes plays, boy, you notice. I mean, he makes big plays. So if you want to get a really good sense of the best of Travis Gibson, watch his games against Cincinnati and SMU this year. He had impact plays in both, and I say that in plural. Um, he is a guy that, with a little bit of refinement, has a lot of skill and couldn't come into a better situation sitting behind Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn in that room going, Absolutely. teach me. Teach me, Masters. What do you know, right? Because he has all the gifts. He's got more juice than anybody that's been sitting in the backup edge room in a while. Um, and if he plays up to those physical gifts, look out, right? He is a, he is a guy that can absolutely get it done. So uh, I was not – first thing I said – what did he give up? <laughs> right. Somebody said they're trading up. I was like, what is he doing? Is he packaging all? Cause they didn't have that much ammo, right? It's right. sixth and seventh, or it's next year's fourth rounder for a fifth year for a fifth rounder this year, which is the going rate. If you go a year into the future, typically you go around up in compensation. There's not that many guys that have the kind of Jews. Bryce Huff is another one from Memphis, but there's not that many guys that have the kind of Jews that Travis Gibson has just from a physical standpoint. Now, if you can harness lightning in a bottle and get him to be a little bit more consistent, work on his pad level a little bit, he has decent hand usage, but he needs to develop that a little bit more. But, boy, he's got speed, power, size, length. You just take shots on those guys. And the Bears need one, quite frankly, because behind Quinn and Mack, it's not good, right? There's there's nobody sitting there as an heir apparent. And Gibson could be that guy in a year or two, depending on how he develops. So, you know, spending next year's fourth rounder to get, again, talent at a premium position, uh, I'm okay with it. I was strangely like, I don't hate this. <laughs> that was a nice feeling. Yeah, I think, you know, in general, you're, that's not the way to make money in the long run, right? So if, you, if you're evaluating this concept in a vacuum as a one-time thing, and you're saying, oh, yeah, for this guy, this particular player, this defensive end, it's it's good. It's a good deal. It's a good idea. I think in general, my issue with this Ryan Pace administration is that he's very free with draft picks, and that's unfortunate because he does have a really good eye for talent evaluation, and so he should be interested in getting more of those draft picks so that he can stack the roster with more and more of his very good ideas on who to select. Borrowing into the future continues to be something that will, you know, bite the Bears in the long run, particularly this year, there was a lot of holes in this draft because of borrowing into the future. But uh, I did want to say that Lance Zerline, the, I think, very good NFL.com uh, draft guy, his pre-draft analysis, he usually does NFL comps for as many people as he can get to. And his NFL comp, Roy Robertson Harris. So, <laughs> so you were... I, you say what you want. I didn't actually read that one from Lance. I read a lot of Lance's work because I too think he's a very quality evaluator. And I love uh, his eye, especially for offensive and defensive line play. His dad, a longtime coach, um, very, very well tuned eye. And uh, that's fun. That's really cool that he thought the same thing because uh, he, he does remind you of what Roy Robertson Harris was in college. And if Gibson develops on a similar track, the Bears have another hit on their hands. Awesome. All right, let's go to the next one. This was their original fifth round pick. They stayed put, and they uh, the Bears took uh, a cornerback by the name of 
Kindle Vildor or Vilder. I don't know how to Vildor. say it. Vilder. Yep, Vilder. You so Kind it. Kindle Vilder comes from the a school in Georgia. So I'm I'm chalking <laughs> it up to what is Ryan Pace getting when he goes down to Georgia? Is there is there like <laughs> is there some is he just obsessed with Southern comfort food that he just loves his trips to Georgia because he always seems to find something even if it's not from the Bulldogs at Georgia, you know, he's finding Valdosta state in Steven Denmark. And now he's got this guy from Georgia Southern Kendall Vilder. What can you tell us about him? Um, Vilder was a little bit surprising to me um, simply from a positional standpoint, not from a player standpoint. Now Kendall Vilder undersized corner out of Georgia Southern um, played a little bit outside for them, but that's because they have some undersized receivers in that conference. He's going to be a true nickel. And that's, that's where my confusion comes from. Uh, because the Bears have a decent stack of nickel corners on their roster. So I'm kind of the immediate questions that came up in the chat on the live stream and elsewhere in my mind were, hey, is, Vind- is Vilder going to move to safety? I don't, I don't think so. Um, if he did, I think he'd be an extremely small, uh, strong safety. But Kendall Vilder is short but rocked up. He is a very solid individual. He, too, was at the Senior Bowl. We got to see him. Very aggressive mindset. Um, one of the few college corners that truly presses, and I mean presses up in somebody's face and makes you fight through it. And again, very muscular build, low to the ground, uses his leverage. And I think Pagano loves that. Pagano loves a good physical press corner. And I think he may have just said, I don't care where he comes from, you know, get him in here. And it, the immediate thing I said was, hey, they spent a sixth last year on Duke Shelley, who I actually like the potential of. And he's sitting behind Buster Screen already at the sort of pure nickel spot. What are you going to do with Vilder? You you need a lot of corners, but it doesn't seem like necessarily there's a, a quick path to Vilder for playing time on the Bears. So uh, I like the player. The value is eh, kind of neither here nor there. I mean, they they got him in the lower rounds. Um, very skilled player, very aggressive, very smart. Really where Vilder is sort of um, development's going to come from is I don't think it's going to be physical. He's pretty tapped out physically. Like he's about as good as he's going to get physically. It's going to be the mental side adjusting to the sort of more complex schemes that he's going to have to play inside in the NFL nickel, a, a sort of notoriously difficult position to learn as a rookie. Cause you can have a two way go on any play. Plus you need to come in on run support. Occasionally they're going to send you on a blitz. You got a lot of responsibilities. Your playbook's a lot thicker at nickel than it is at outside, where it basically says, take this guy, use the boundary as an extra defender, and just that's your job. Um, so, uh, Vilder's going to have to develop mentally more quickly. Um, physically, he's kind of already there. As a value, I, the grade I put into Windy City Gridiron uh, is kind of in the middle. Like, it's, it's not too early for him to go based on his skill. It's not really a need for the Bears, so it kind of comes out in the middle. It's it's uh, you know, six of one, half a dozen of another is what I wrote. Like the player, didn't really see it as a need. That's a little bit surprising, but, you know, it's a solid guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious. I I liked the write-up on him. It, it definitely seemed very intriguing. But And when you get this late into the draft, you are normally drafting towards the next season, not, not this coming season. So you have to kind of look uh, at an eye in the future you know maybe he can he can uh, be a special teamer and all that kind of stuff that's that's not what i'm saying more in in terms of the you know the starting 11 but what do you see this as obviously this pretty much means buster screen is going to be uh finishing his two-year deal and and moving on and they're going to have an open roster battle in 2021 between duke shelley and and this new draft pick uh vilder yeah, I think that's 
probably what I came down to is people said, yeah, can you play safety? I said he could, but I don't necessarily think that's his best life. So I really think his, his path to the roster again is at nickel. And like you said, I think that battle is probably going to occur this year, right? In, in training camp and preseason, they're going to see who the backup or first off the bench nickel is. Cause there's a lot of nickel and dime in the NFL. Nickel's the new base dime gets played fairly often against four wide receiver sets. And, Shelly and Vilder are really going to be competing for that first off the bench nickel spot. And we're going to see who the bears sort of value more. I'm high on Duke Shelley. I like his versatility. He can play outside. Um, I thought overall his game against the pass was a little bit better. Vilder's a little bit better against the run. So it'd be interesting to see how they prioritize it and really who comes out on top this season to line themselves up for that top spot next year. Yeah, it's very interesting, and I, I'm I'm a big fan of having a lot of corners because it does seem like something that if there is an injury and someone goes down, that that gets exposed very quickly. And so having more talent in the cornerback room is not something that I'll ever be too upset with. So very interested to see where he fits in in the long run. And the Bears uh, look like, hey, they're going to be waiting until the sixth round. You and I were going to jump on this podcast. We were going to live react to four draft picks. It was, we had this whole thing planned out. It was beautiful. Everybody was excited and about it. And Ryan, Ryan Pace, Pace said, just, no dice. Just pissed all over your Wheaties. Yeah, yeah he, there's was, no, he was like, no, JB, that won't be happening. You Thank will you. not be doing that. And why we would not be doing that is because he packaged both of his six-round picks uh, and a uh, seventh-round swap with Philly so that he could get back into the fifth round. And he takes – a speedy wide receiver. Thank you. I've been waiting for my speedy wide receiver. I knew it was coming. I just didn't know when. Uh, he takes the speedy wide receiver, Darnell Mooney, out of Tulane. So last time a Tulane player, I think, would have been Matt Forte on this team. I don't know if uh, we've had one in, That's the, right. in the meantime. Yep. So do like Tulane. Love New Orleans. So uh, what do you know about Mooney, and is he the answer to the need for taking the top off the defense? He is. That is that is Mooney in a nutshell. Uh, Darnell Mooney, undersized receiver from Tulane, had a very productive year this year, and almost all of his highlights are him going the distance. He is crazy fast. He is like low 4-3, high 4-2 fast. Um, now, undersized, he's in the 170-pound range. I think he actually bulked up for the combine and came in at 178, if that tells you anything. I think he probably played closer to 172 um and and looks that way on the field he is slight he's gonna have to deal with press that's gonna be the book on mooney is people are gonna try and press him but if you miss him on press if he turns sideways and you put that hand into into air and you're leaning forward and he takes off you're done he is kj hamler light is how i described him because he has a similar build he's as fast or faster, and that's saying something because Hamler is one of the blazers in this draft. Mooney is right there with him, if not even a step quicker. Um, plays the ball pretty well. Has, I would say, above average hands. Not great hands. Not great at high-pointing the ball, but again, he typically doesn't need it because he usually has a yard or two of separation based on speed. Decent route runner. Um, not underdeveloped in that category. But he is going to be playing inside in the pros. I, I don't see him as an outside receiver with that size. He wouldn't hold up against bigger corners, but he is a guy that if you single him up, if you decide you're going to play two over the top and you're going to single him up straight on nickel and you miss, and Nick Foles can throw the deep ball. He's like, oh, he can't throw the deep ball. That's not true. He could bomb it in Philly. 
And when a guy gets that kind of separation in the pros, a yard or two, that is wide open in the pros. And all Nick Foles has got to do is lay it out there and he'll go get it. You do that a couple of times, you're going to change the defensive coverage. All that underneath stuff to Komet, uh, to Riley Ridley, to everybody, to Anthony Miller is going to open up. Even to David Montgomery on those little square routes. And it's going to give Montgomery more breathing room to run. So it is really a key that could unlock the Bears offense if he can figure out how to get off press and develop just a little bit physically, he does have that lightning quick speed. Yeah, I mean, it's been the you know the one thing that I've been hammering over and over at that wide receiver room is you know if you're if you're going to get rid of Taylor Gabriel, that's the element that he you know ideally brought when healthy to that wide receiving core, and without him, there's really no one else on the roster that was able to bring that. So you had to do it somewhere. There's obviously more. Uh, well-balanced and well-rounded receivers that were up high that, you know, were available at 43 and 50, you know, a Mims uh, comes to mind that, you know, you <laughs> certainly led the charge on in, in terms of really liking. Uh, but this definitely is very exciting to me. I I, I like adding this element and I, I'm just, I, I couldn't be happier with, with this pick. So um, very excited to add that. And that's where we're at right now with draft picks. We are, we, we are in the seventh round. Um, we, uh, are, we're a few away from where the bears are going to pick. It won't be too much longer, but I did want to get your thoughts on the different division rivals. And I want to start with Detroit. Uh, I want to start with Detroit because they had the highest pick and I think that they're having an okay draft, but kind of like, there's a little bit of what's their plan here. So Let's start at the top. They took, they stayed at three. They weren't able to get enough juice to trade out of three, which I think is a, I think that's good news for the Bears. If someone wanted to give them free capital to move up for, say, Tua or something like that, that would have been a little irritating. But they stayed at three and they took the guy that everybody thought they would take in, in Jeff Akuda, who's a really good corner. Uh, they followed that up with taking DeAndre Swift, running back out of Georgia. Uh, some people had him as their number one running back coming out. Uh, they have an edge rusher, uh, Julian Aquara uh, mm-hmm. from Notre Dame. Then they took a couple guards, including one that I think kind of stabbed you in the heart, uh, Logan, <laughs> Logan Stenberg, a guard out of Kentucky, who uh, you, you said just a dog uh, or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, they took a wide receiver in Quintez Cephas. Cephas from uh, Wisconsin. Yep. Yep. And they and they doubled down on running back. Uh, took a New Mexico State running back named Jason Huntley. That and is then a... horrendous for us. I hate to tell you. <laughs> oh really? Oh no. Okay. Oh yeah, that is bad. And uh, they've got one more pick, uh, but they also have uh, a defensive tackle from Utah, John uh, something. So, uh, what do you think of the Detroit Lions draft class of twenty twenty? It's pretty solid. I I hate saying that um, as a, as a Bears fan, uh, but it's it's a thing. Um, they have grabbed some talent, and they also have grabbed some speed, uh, and that is uh, evident throughout their draft class. Um, yeah, DeAndre Swift and Carryon Johnson as a one-two punch at running back. And I know Carryon Johnson has had trouble staying healthy, um, but when he's on the field, very underrated, very talented, very tough back, who I think is plenty dynamic. Um, but 
boy, you you pair up DeAndre Swift from from Georgia, who is a very electric one cut back. His signature move is float out to the right on that sort of um, wide right zone read. Put that put that one cut foot plant ground and just go lose no speed in doing it and then gone um swift is you better maintain really good gap discipline on swift or you're going to pay the price and then they go and get huntley huntley i love an undersized running back from new mexico state who is pretty small definitely not a between the tackles guy but is crazy fast he's one of the fastest guys in this draft he's like darnell mooney fast um, I watched his game against UTEP this year, and he, hold on to your hats, averaged 16 yards a carry <laughs> in that game. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah, you're like, wait, what? Uh, they had this one little veer play that looks a lot like the play that uh, that DeAndre Swift likes. Uh, run a little bit more sort of off tackle, but UTEP had no answers, and Huntley is so fast that you just you can't catch him. He's also got special teams experience, both punt and kick returns. He's pretty electric there with that speed. So I saw Huntley, and uh, he was one of my late-round sort of special team sleepers, a lot like Kareth White was last year. And I saw he went to Detroit and thought, oh, boy. (laughs) You know, that's as if they didn't add enough speed with Swift, and and that is enough speed. Um, Matt Patricia and his staff putting together a really good look. Uh, Akuda's tremendous. DeAndre Swift, we talked about. Aquara's got a lot of juice off the edge. Jonah Jackson, one of my favorite guards out of Ohio State. Logan Stenberg, that's the inside of the Detroit line for the next seven, eight years. Um, Logan Stenberg's just a bully. I cannot wait, and this sounds ridiculous for a rookie, but I cannot wait for Logan Stenberg versus Akeem Hicks. That is going to be a war. And everybody's like, Hicks is going to eat his breakfast bubble. Yeah, maybe a couple times, but Stenberg's going to stone him a couple times, and you're going to be like, what? He's country strong. Really, really good. Cephas has some juice as a wide receiver. He wasn't one of my favorites, but I can see what they liked in him. And then Jason Huntley, like I said, uh, just going to be a special teams demon for them and a change of pace back that you're going to have to keep up with. Also a very good receiver, even though he's quite short. Um, and the last guy, John uh, Panisi, or P- I don't even know how to say that. Um, I, I, I just passed on it. Yeah, he like, is the, uh, you're smarter than I am. Uh, John uh, is the other defensive tackle from Utah. Lecky Fotu uh, went to Arizona, is their primary defensive tackle. Um, don't don't remember him standing out on film. Did watch a lot of Utah film with Jalen Johnson. Both their safeties got drafted, Terrell Burgess and Julian Blackman. Uh, they have a linebacker, Francis Bernard, who I really like. Uh, Bradley and I was on the edge. Um, that, that defense was just loaded with talent, wow. so... Yeah, no, a lot of Utes getting drafted this year, and rightfully so. Going to be lean. (laughs) Yeah, they they, they better reload well. I don't know how their recruiting is, but we're going to find out. Um, Yeah, I I kind of feared that they had a better draft than I wanted to give them credit for, (laughs) but uh, I was at least happy that they didn't get any free capital um, out of that number three pick. But they definitely look like they got some good players. Uh, I want to go to who I think – probably unfortunately had the best draft in the division and that's the minnesota vikings uh tons of draft capital they're moving all over the board they're you know already accumulating additional picks for next year but they i think they came out pretty good uh pick 22 they got justin jefferson wide receiver out of lsu 
They were able to trade down out of 25 to 31, and they were able to, I think, get their top target. At least that's kind of what I was looking at. Jeff Gladney, uh, cornerback out of Texas Christian. Uh, they, they were able to get an offensive tackle, which that offensive line seems to always need to be upgraded in Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. Ezra Cleveland, tackle out of Boise State. Cameron Dantzler is a guy that you've kind of mentioned. Mm. as cornerback, potential mm-hmm. target out of Mississippi State. Uh, and then there's another like seven people. <laughs> so I'm not going to go through all of them. There's yeah. a ton, a ton, a ton of draft picks. And they have four more in the seventh round. Four more, yeah. That's I think they might try and push some of those forward for people that want to pick up people this year in, in a very deep class. But um, you're not wrong. Uh, Minnesota had a good class. Justin Jefferson is a great get. Nobody thought he was going to be there at 22 after his combine performance and, and really his, his season at LSU. But his combine performance kind of sealed it. He, he ran a 4-4, and they were like, well, that's everything we needed to see. Um, Jeff Gladney, uh, a corner that I think fits pretty well in the right system. I'm actually glad he didn't go to the Bears. He wasn't one of my favorites. I know a lot of people that like him. He, he was He's a good corner. Uh, he wasn't up high for me. Ezra Cleveland uh, has been a bit of a draft darling in terms of his rise. He's not ready right now, but he's definitely a capable project at swing tackle. Um, if they play him right away, week one, uh, I, I would want to be on the opposing side. I think he's gonna I think he's gonna take his lumps for a bit, but he is a guy that could develop, and that seems to be the Minnesota mo at tackle. They'll take athletically talented folks who aren't quite there yet. Cam Dantzler, I think, is a great pick and really quite frankly, a worse pick because he went to Minnesota. That guy is a Mike Zimmer corner. He is long. He is physical. None of his measurables are great. For people that are big on measurables, they're going to look at Cam Dantzler and go, who cares? He's super average. Guy played in the SEC. He started against all these wide receivers we're talking about, against T. Higgins, against Justin Jefferson. He didn't give up garbage to any of them. Like, he shut them down the the numbers do not match the play on the field the play on the field is better and mike zimmer knows exactly what to do with him so gladney and dantzler eh, pretty good corner combo for a while for them james wanham or sorry james wanham i'm looking at james lynch dj wanham edge from south carolina doesn't excite me at all james lynch a little bit more a defensive end from baylor who's a bit of a try hard guy with short arms but makes a lot of plays troy die sort of in that rangy linebacker mold that they like um very experienced starter Oregon. I think he has 43 or 45 starts um, over the last four years at, at Oregon. Um, not a big hitter necessarily, but great length, great range. Um, not super duper physical, but definitely more the run and chase type guy. Um, Harrison Hand from Temple uh, in the mold of Temple Corners, uh, a little bit more inside, um, feisty, physical. KJ Osborne's a guy I like a lot from Miami as a late wide receiver, possible returner, special teams guy. Showed up on a bunch of their film making plays more than Jeff Thomas, who was their other wide receiver that a lot of people like better. Um, so I was I was impressed to see him go in the fifth. A lot of people had KJ Osborne going undrafted. Um, Blake Brandle from Oregon State. Don't know who he is. Uh, he's a late round guard. Um, the Oregon guards were both really good. I didn't even know Oregon State had a guard. So there you go. <laughs> and Josh Metalis, uh, the safety from Michigan, um, very fast, undersized, more of a special teams project, I think, not probably a starter in their defense. Um, but they're just stacking guys one over the other at this point. It's really the strength of those sort of first four picks. Jefferson, Gladney, 
Cleveland and Dan, so it's really going to make up their draft, and, and it reloads their corner room, which they needed to do. And Justin Jefferson gives them a Diggs replacement, right? He's, he's not Stephon Diggs as a player, but he has great potential as a receiver and should be in the league a long time. Yeah, okay, before we, get, before we get to yeah. the Bears pick, because we've got yeah. three picks left, right. do, you have any, do you have any predictions? Uh, well, you've talked me into really wanting J.R. Reed. Yeah, that's my guy out of Georgia, and so that's that's who I'm hoping for right now. Do you want to kind of go through who's on the board right now? What what's interesting about that pick swap is that for to move up to get Mooney is that the Bears now have back to back picks in the seventh. Mm-hmm. So so good radio coming up because we get to, <laughs> to watch and live react to two straight picks. Uh, but do you want to kind of go through what's uh, I mean, you know, the seventh rounder, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if, say, they took uh, two Georgia players. They took yeah, J.R. Reed yeah. and they took uh, uh, Rodrigo Blankenship, the kicker. Yeah, yeah. You know, who knows? It's possible. Now, my heart is a little bit broken because Arizona at 222 just took Eno Benjamin. And Eno Benjamin, believe it or not, was my seventh rated running back in this class. He was right behind Zach Moss. And to have that guy available in the seventh is a crime. He is so good. Arizona is going to love him. So I would have I would have loved him as a backup to Montgomery. Very productive back out of Arizona State. One of those guys that I, I knew he was pretty good. I'd seen some highlights, but I was kind of like, I don't know. And then I did my tape study on him last week, and I was like, holy shoot. Like, why are people not talking about him? He's extremely talented running back. So good on the Cardinals for getting, you know, Benjamin uh, before the Bears get on the board, if they come away in the seventh round with J.R. Reed, safety from Georgia, and Adrian Killens, running back from UCF, who is very much in the mold of Kareth White, um, I will be ecstatic. Um, that would be fantastic. I like both of those players. But there's still a lot of talent on the board. It doesn't have to be those players. Um I'm going to go undrafted here. Take a look at safety. Jared Reed's just sitting there. Jaron Maiden's okay. He's not my favorite. Uh, he's the third safety from Alabama. And after that, it's kind of empty. But I don't know. There's something about Reed, man. Based on his measurables and his pedigree, he should be off the board. Uh, he's a little bit old. He's a redshirt senior. But eh, I, I, I'm not holding that against him based on his play. Very, very talented safety. Um, there are a couple more nickel corners who I love, and this is the problem with taking Kendall Vilder. It's more opportunity cost. Javaris Davis right. from Auburn and Dane Jackson from Pittsburgh are both players I actually like better uh, than Kendall Vilder, and they're still there in the seventh. So you could have gotten those guys. Uh, those guys are dogs in the slot. Um, let's take a quick look at ooh, linebacker. See if I can beat the picks here. They do tend to – oh, Joe Bocci from Michigan State. That would be a slam dunk. Uh, the second coming – of Chris Borland. Um, great, great player. I actually think he's a little bit more athletic, and the testing backs me up on that, um, than Borland, but plays the same way, just all out all the time. Um, really good leader and player for for Michigan State. Uh, Bryce Huff is still there on the edge. I would take that guy in a heartbeat, as is Derek Tuska. Tuska, sorry, from North Dakota State. Both edges. Um, Tuska is just a traits guy, had good production, plays really hard. Huff is a flash, man. He he is all about one thing, 
speed around the edge, and he has one move, which he's perfected, which is this little double hand slap to the tackle, and then just push your shoulder into his sternum and then reach, and you're at the quarterback. And, uh, you know, he's a one-trick pony, but, boy, the trick is really good. So I would take Hoffer Tuska probably – maybe even before Reed, just again, I think Reed's a greater need for what they have left, but those guys might be better talents. Um, defensive end, is there anybody I like? Nick Coe is still there from Auburn. And Kenny Willickis from Michigan State again, uh, I like as well. I wouldn't be at all upset with those guys. Uh, defensive tackle I don't think is a great need, but let's check it real quick. Oh, Benito Jones would be a fantastic Eddie Goldman backup. And Raekwon Williams would be a really nice five for Michigan State. Again, I keep saying Michigan State, but I didn't expect all three of these guys to be on the board. That's Williams, Willikus, and Joe Bocci, all great players from Michigan State. Um, Malcolm Roach Malcolm Roach is there as well as an end from Texas. Uh, would be a five-tech for the Bears. That's the defense. Uh, we're only a couple of picks away. Let's take a quick look at everybody wants wide receiver, but they already picked one. Um if they go quarterback, no, I don't think they will. Tyler Huntley from Utah would be my guy there. Um, Not Nate Stanley? No. No Hawkeye for oh, you? Oh, dude, Nate Stanley is <laughs> – I'm sorry you had to put up with Nate Stanley. He's really terrible. Some of his tape was terrible this year. I Yeah, like hold your nose up terrible. It was rough stuff. Uh, all right, my computer's decided to spin at the moment. I'm going to reload NFL.com really quickly. Well, Cole um, McDonald, quarterback from Hawaii, is now a Tennessee Titan. Yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be really interesting to see how he meshes with with uh, Mike Vrabel. I really would have loved Dino Benjamin again. He was clearly the pick at running back. There's a bunch of flavors at running back. Jamichael Hasty is fun. Um, James Robinson, a local guy from Illinois State, but he's very much like Montgomery. I think that'd be two of having two of the same guys. That was really the Eno Benjamin pick. Um, Let's see who's at wide receiver. If there's anybody that just – I saw my guy Desmond Patman from U, uh, WSU go off the board. He went to Indianapolis. Um, Courtney Davis from Texas A&M I could see. Uh, Joe Reed's already gone. He was my guy. Um, Tristan Jackson from Syracuse. Nothing – nobody to pound the table for uh, at wide receiver. Do they need another tight end? They don't, but let's check. <laughs> uh, oh hunter bryant the guy from washington still there uh thad moss who's randy moss's kid mm. um and sean McEwen from michigan well uh, you know solid at tackle uh, alex taylor would be a neat project as a backup tackle has great physical gifts has no idea what to do with him he's huge we saw him at the senior bowl he's got this like i swear his his wingspan is like 88 inches he's just massive as a human being but he's kind of all over the place um and then guard i don't think there's anybody left at center i checked a while ago uh Uh, tremaine antrim from clemson would be a decent backup guard calvin throckmorton from oregon i actually really like him at guard um that's probably it for guard and then center real quick before they pick yeah nobody really at center that i'm super excited about um so lots of choices but favorites would be either edge or jr reed um as a safety who i think is wild vastly underrated going in the seventh he's i would have been comfortable with jr reed any pick on day two so Hmm. yeah he's a very good player Hmm. day two or day three sorry day three day three okay I was like, yeah, wow, no, <laughs> no, fourth round, any, any time after fourth round would have been totally
totally happy with Jay sure. Reed. And here we are in the seventh. He's still on the board. And I think kind of the same thing for Bryce Huff. And, and I, I don't know. I've seen Tuska mocked pretty. Oh, Willikus goes to Minnesota. Oh, boy. That's there a you great go. pick. Now, Kenny's a really good dude. He's a hardworking player. I got to interview him three times at the Senior Bowl. Um, just a great talent. Zimmer's going to do things with him. He reminds me of Stephen Weatherly, who just signed a big contract to go down to Carolina. Um, in the fact, he's a super hard worker, big effort player. Um, Willikus plays with tremendous leverage. Really, really good with his leverage. Um, Hard-nosed player, extremely athletic. Uh, put out, instead of a pro day video, a video of him doing the splits, flips off a wall, uh, round-offs, <laughs> uh, all kinds of stuff, which a guy his size should not be able to do. Extremely athletic player. Sure. Um, which, you know, I thought was a much <laughs> much needed modernization and update of the pool jump video. Right, right. There was another guy that jumped Yeah, out of the I pool. heard there was a pool there jumper was, yesterday. Was I don't even look anymore. I'm so jaded about pool jumping. But, I mean, yeah, but there's so much talent here. They could take any two – well, two left out of the Michigan State guys – um, if they took Bocce and Raycon Williams, uh, it'd be a home run in the seventh. Both of those guys can play. Raycon Williams would back up Bilal Nichols, and, and Bocce would be a backup to probably Danny. Uh, well, I've got the first one. Okay. It's Arlington Hambright, guard out of Colorado. Nope, never heard of him. Okay. Nah, I mean, like, n- literally never heard of him. So I have no reaction to that. I'm going to tell Lester, do your own grade. I didn't watch him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's a guard. Lester can Right, Lester but can literally, I, you know how far down the guard rolls we go? Like, we go pretty far. We go pretty deep into guard rolls. Like, definitely guys that aren't going to get drafted. I've never heard of that guy. Like, never. I, I Yeah, obviously, I've never. If you've never heard of him, I've certainly never heard of him. So. No, and a name like that, I would remember. <laughs> it is a pretty solid name. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a that is a regal name. That's really solid. So there's there's one pick left, and I, let me ask you this question while we kind of wait for it to roll in. Uh, Bears, unless you know the last pick is a quarterback, go another draft without taking a developmental quarterback, which yep. means that Tyler Bray has continued to hold on to his camp arm position. Well, so, maybe, maybe. Well, maybe. Uh, you think like a UDFA. priority free agent? Yep, UDFAs. Yep. There's a bunch left. I mean, we're, sure. we're pretty close to the end of the seventh here. And there's – I'm just going to pull up undrafted quarterbacks. You talk about Stanley. I don't think he's the guy. Anthony Gordon, still undrafted. Right. Tyler Huntley, still undrafted. Bryce Perkins out of Virginia. Um, Steven Montez out of Colorado. People had him mocked in the fourth round. Hmm. Um there's guys that you can go get. Kelly Bryant, you remember him from Clemson, transferred to Missouri? He's still out there. So, you know, there's four or five guys that, you know, I wouldn't count on it. Uh, but out of that, again, I would take Tyler Huntley in a heartbeat because he's better than all of them. Um, I wouldn't be at all upset if they spent a seventh rounder on a, on a lottery pick at quarterback. But um, they obviously don't have my board because... <laughs> A, Arlington Hambright never graced it, and B, there's a bunch of players I would take right now in the seventh round. Right, right. Well, it's just interesting because you have that, you know, pace quote that he would continue to take yeah. quarterbacks, and of course he hasn't. Uh, yeah, but you also have the that. pace quote that he says, I always take the best player available, and he clearly doesn't. Like, pace clearly is what he not. wants, and he does another thing, and that's fine. Like, I don't, 
we judge what he does, not what he says, but people clinging to that quote from his very first like introductory press conference. Oh yeah. About the draft. He's like, I'm going to take quarterback every year. You saw it in green Bay, blah, blah, blah. It's a great value. He hasn't almost ever. So, you know, it's not a thing with him and I get it. Uh, I don't agree with it, but I get it. Um, but if I was him, I would have taken probably one of those defenders, uh, the one I liked the best for Michigan State or one of the edge guys, Huff or Tuska. And then I would have picked Tyler Huntley with the other pick because he's still there. And so what if he doesn't work out? You're talking about pick 227, right? It's it's a yep. lottery ticket anyways. You're looking at a special teamer maybe. A lot of seventh-rounders don't make the team. Um, and, you know, if you get a guy that sticks in the quarterback room, even for three years, it's a win. Like right. you, you win, that's a huge win. So your your potential payoff for a quarterback in the seventh round is is pretty large. Well, and I think that's where I was going is just from a philosophical standpoint, you know, the results, regardless of what he said or hasn't said or whatever, I, the the results of the drafts it, it hasn't happened, and it just seems kind of odd that you wouldn't at least take a guy somewhere along the way just to have in the room. Um, and so it, it's a little bit interesting. We we have known quantities about what Tyler Bray is. And again, maybe it's a little different now because you got Foles, you got uh, apparently an open competition. I don't believe that, but you know, uh, you've got two guys that are going to be in the room. Modern day rosters don't generally carry three guys. So maybe it's not typically surprising that you don't want to have that. Oh man, they doubled down (laughs) with another guy Uh, that I have never heard of. Is that Tennessee state? Tennessee State uh, Lacavius Simmons yeah. is what I'm gonna. No, uh, I, this is think to, that is you know what that, you know what those picks were. Those picks were to satisfy all the guys on Twitter this year that replaced my least favorite <laughs> poster on Twitter, which was the "He'll never be there" person. Right, right. That's my least favorite poster during draft season on Twitter because here we are, and everybody was like, "Oh, Anthony Gordon, he's gonna be like a fifth quarterback off the board. He's the seventh round. He hasn't been picked yet, so nobody knows who's getting picked and who hasn't." But that guy was replaced in Chicago Draft Twitter this year with the, what, no OL, bro? Bro. <laughs> right? Bro, come on, man. Yeah, and that was it. Uh, and they just yeah. said, nope, nope, sorry, you can't say that now. We just picked two guards. And well, I've never heard of either one of them. Um, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm saying I have no idea who those guys are. Never heard of All them right. once. Let me. I'm on NFL.com, uh, so it's, you know Zerline's work. Yeah, no, Zerline and goes like 500 deep too. He no, is, he's amazing. He is right? a so, unit. Ar- so I just Arlington Hambright, right? So he's got you know his, he's got a whole write up. I'm not going to read it. You know he's got some stuff about he's got a stiff punch uh, that can discombobulate lesser college rushers. Okay, great. Uh, he's six <laughs> five. He's six five. He's 300 pounds. Um, he went to Colorado, his hometown, Michigan. We're not sure where, just, just his hometown he is He lives in Michigan. Michigan okay. Right? And he's got, you know, he's got an overview. He's got strengths. He's got weaknesses. Okay. Now, uh, Lachavius, Lachavius uh, Simmons, uh, again, not sure how to say the name. Um, we know that he is from Tennessee State. Uh, we don't know what he looks like. Yeah. No, uh, we don't a, know he's a, anything he's about him. Guy. We don't know how big he is so um yeah that's a guy yeah, yeah that's a that's, guy that's two guys that's an uninspired is what that is. seventh two, round two guards so, in the seventh round last year we were able to capture the excitement of uh steven denmark 
in, and in the last White. round. And Kareth White, guys we both talked about on our preview pods. Yeah. Uh, we are not replicating that this year, despite our best efforts uh, uh, to try to be on on uh, recording while these, these picks came through. But, you know, you can't, you can't hurt us for, you know, can't, you can't blame us for trying. Can't no. win them all. All right, well, let's let's at least – all right, so that's the draft. Um, well, we didn't talk about are, that other team. Yeah, I want to talk about the other team. So okay. I, I was just going to say that you're going to do plenty of work in the UDFA market, and so there's there's plenty more to come from – you know, some other guys that can be on the roster and, you know, it's going to be a weird year because of, uh, you know, coronavirus, uh, COVID-19 stuff, because there's probably not going to be a lot of contact camps. And so who knows how many UDFAs are going to get a fair shake, but you'll do plenty of that stuff. That'll be out there. Um, what else do you have going on uh, bootleg? Oh, geez. Uh, you guys taking uh, well, a break. Brett threatened to do, <laughs> a recap of the draft by division. So that would be like four podcasts that are probably given our propensity to talk all about an hour and a half long, um, which we'll, you know, we'll love doing. It'll definitely stretch that out. We've got a couple of projects in the hopper um, in terms of things. We said, Oh, I want to do that after the draft. Um, One was comparing um, Cam Dantzler and um, Igbenogany, who is the other corner from Auburn, because it's a classic debate between uh, performance versus potential. Dantzler had all the performance, right? In every rating, he was better than Igbenogany, which is not surprising because Igbenogany is a wide receiver uh, convert last year. He moved from wide receiver to corner in his final year of college eligibility and played pretty darn well in the SEC. Now, that is an arrow pointing up kind of a thing, but he's still learning. So the fact that he went well before his much more established colleague is tells you everything you need to know about how much the NFL loves potential, right? Sure. But I'm in the Dantzler camp, and uh, Brett came down fairly hard on Igmanogany's side, uh, and we said, well, we should do this. We should kind of pick our favorite film clips and throw them at each other and say, yeah, but you're sure. getting this. Yeah, but you're getting this. So we'll do that as well. Um, and then... Uh, I have another thing coming out, which necessarily it'll, it'll go on bootleg. And I think we're probably going to end up talking about it on bears over beers as well. But I, um, possibly accidentally invented a stat. (laughs) Oh yeah. This is not in my roundhouse, which is why you sound so surprised. But, um, I ran it by a couple of staff people. I started with our favorite statistician, Jay Wood, Jonathan Wood, um, from, uh, the bears blog. Well, I take a little bit of offense to that because you, you, co-podcast with a I, with a it's coming actual to you. scientist I wanted you could have i wanted sent it to me objectivity <laughs> i will you can do peer review before it's public uh right, but i enough. i think i i i came up with it about three weeks ago and i said man with all the draft lead up stuff and t- i just don't have time to do this and support it and whatever else i want to do it and and jonathan was good enough to say he'd wait um we're going to roll it out together because he did a lot of the sort of heavy lifting on the on the analytics side it was my idea and we kind of tweaked the formula and uh, I think it's going to be really useful, um, and I'm excited about it. So that's the teaser for that. Well, and again, I should have led with this way earlier because we've talked all this good stuff, and who knows who's still sticking with us. Thank you for those of you that are sticking with us past the hour. But I will say that I have also been working on a side project, and that is going to be releasing soon. We're going to release the first episode of a Bears history podcast that I'm doing with my best friend. And that we're calling it Hallis to Mac, and we're going to go by the decade. 
And we're starting, obviously, with the 1920s, and we're going to work our way all the way to the modern team. And really excited about it. I've already got five recorded and processed and ready to go. We've been working on that while you've been doing bootleg stuff because um, I know you've been incredibly busy and I've been keeping myself busy doing Bears history stuff. So I've been looking backwards. You've been looking forwards. Uh, so hopefully we can come <laughs> can back I just together. Say, can I just interrupt and say that I am ridiculously excited about that project? Like you told me about this like three weeks ago and I was like, oh, that's so perfect. <laughs> like I was like, that fun. is your roundhouse. Yes, it so should be I'm a lot of fun. Thank thrilled. you for I that. can't wait. I'm like, I'm like somebody waiting for the premiere of a movie and hoping I get the, the first night tickets because that to me that just sounds so – it just sounds like the ideal alignment of forces in the world. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it a lot. And uh, to get you guys even more excited, Bears Over Beers listeners, we start off with a cocktail that was famous in that decade. So we oh, look at start you. off with a cocktail recipe for you guys to try. So, all right. So that's that. And then uh, part four of the uh, championship belt is going to come out soon. Um, I've had to try to take on all of the duties for creating uh, <laughs> photoshops, which EJ has gotten some of them uh, through text messages and had good chuckles at how dude, good, I think bad. you've done tremendously well. <laughs> like, let me just say you've done a hundred times better than I could do because somebody accused me of having Photoshop skills the other day when I put up my last mock draft. They're like, did you Photoshop this? I was like, if I Photoshop this, it would be with crayon, right? I am not a Photoshop guy. So I think you've done tremendously well. Well, if nothing else, hopefully they make you laugh because I've put in some fun principles to, uh, I think, uh, just, just get some chuckles and, you know, it is what it is. But we're, we're moving on. We're going to try to finish that series here and we're going to roll out that podcast and hopefully it all works together. And you guys appreciate some Bears history. Okay, should have done that up at the top. But for those of you that stuck around, now you get the, the sneak peek, the hidden track. The inside, so, the inside scoop. Yeah, it's a, it's a hidden track. You know, you, you listen to the whole album and you let it run and a couple minutes later, the hidden track plays. So there you go. It's coming soon. Uh, let's talk about the Packers because – Wow, what a like yeah, incredibly interesting and entertaining draft that they put together because it is not what expected. So again, I'm on NFL.com. They have draft uh, position needs listed, not in any sort of order. They just have them alphabetic order, right? Like, so it is an order, but they they said they needed a corner, a linebacker, offensive line help, a tight end, and a wide, and wide receiver help. Aaron Rodgers famously goes on uh, some podcasts or some radio spots and says, you know, hey, we haven't drafted a wide receiver in the first round in, you know, X number of years. Wouldn't that be nice? You know, skill players in general. Um, Well, they do draft a skill player in the first round. Just happens to be Rodgers' uh, eventual replacement, probably. Jordan Love, quarterback, Utah State. They trade up to get Jordan Love. Uh, how delicious was that? Um, it, you know, it is or it isn't. And again, draft evaluations happen in two to three years. The part of that that was kind of gratifying as a Bears fan is Rodgers has this well-documented, um, I don't know what you'd call that, protective nature of his status. Uh, he, he definitely takes offense to moves that don't align with his worldview about how to run the Packers. Um, he is still a player, but, uh, obviously a preeminent one and a very skilled one. Usually they have a larger voice in the organization and for him to come out and say, I want this. And for the Packers to say, yeah, but we're going to do that. 
And then my favorite was Brian Newhurst coming out and saying uh, the next day, or even I think that evening, um, in an interview, and somebody said, "So have you have you know have you talked to Aaron yet?" And he said, "No, I haven't reached out to Aaron about this yet." And I retweeted <laughs> that and said, "Oh, no worries. I'm sure that'll go fine, right?" Um, uh, so you know, if Jordan Love turns out to be if he reaches his potential ceiling, we're going to hate it as Bears fans sure, because he is—he is tremendously talented, and that would mean three in a row in Green Bay. And I can't think of another time that's happened um, where three very good, high-level quarterbacks have come back to back and back. Um, so if that happens, we're not going to like it one bit. We're going to hate it just as much as anything else the Packers might do. If for some reason Matt Lafleur can't reach Jordan Love or can't push him up to that potential ceiling, and he struggles a little bit, we're going to love it as Bears fans because they will have finally fallen off their shelf of saying we're a fantastic team, which means we actually have a fantastic quarterback, and they've had that for more than two decades. So, um, you know, it really hinges on that, and the rest of the draft I don't want to say is worthless, but nobody's going to remember it. Like if Jordan Love's great, it's an amazing draft. If Jordan Love's terrible, it's a terrible draft. Right. Well, just to kind of run through it, um, the other highlight is that they did not take a wide receiver in this historically deep wide receiver class. They did take a running back, which yep. did not seem like a need to me. Um, A.J. Dillon out of Boston College. They took a tight end, mm-hmm. uh, Josiah Deguara. De- and Deguara. it's really interesting. I like him as a player, and I heard this morning that they didn't draft him as a tight end. Uh, did they draft him as a tackle? They drafted him as a fullback. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, and and now a, a modern fullback, right? He's going to be their use check. Okay, right. Sure. He's going to be the guy that runs wheel routes. He's going to be the guy that runs that little middle delay. Um, not a not a you know John Coon blocking fullback, but um, and actually that's a really good role for Deguara, but. You picked him in the third round, again, in a historically deep wide receiver draft, and you're not even going to play him at a primary pass-catching position? Like, oh, somebody somebody posted after uh, the conclusion of round three, Aaron Rodgers should retire tomorrow, like in protest. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I, right I think that's, well, I'm sure, sure. Um, but I, I, don't, I think that's a little extreme. Uh, but, you know, you can't look at this draft from his perspective from the quarterback's perspective and say i wanted this and it was widely available and you did you did this this is what you did um so yeah it's um but i don't know we thought that last year that they were not going to be great with a brand new head coach and a totally mixed up defense even though they imported a lot of talent finally decided that free agency was a real thing um, caught up with the rest of the NFL and imported some high-priced defensive free agents, and we thought that was going to take a while to gel, and we walked out on week one and got our cans handed to us. So, uh, you know, it's all interesting on paper uh, until you get it on grass. Yeah, I just uh, – I, I will bask in the short-term shade and fruit <laughs> of Aaron Rodgers' uh, annoyance and irritation and just, you know, whatever it is. I, I think that Rodgers is, you know, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. You know, he's he's, he's super talented. He's, he's done amazing things. Um, anytime that he can just kind of throw a fit and reveal that he's a little bit of a baby, it makes me happy. So it is what it is. Yeah. It, this made me happy that they went out and yeah. did this. 
after that, it really drops off for me. Um, Kamal Martin, I was very surprised by. They picked a linebacker out of Minnesota who, who was not really on my radar. The other linebacker, Carter Coughlin, from Minnesota, I thought was better. He went later. Um, John Runyon, who is John Runyon's kid, yeah. uh, guard from Michigan. And he is, come on, he is a Michigan guard. And you can say whatever you want about that. He looks like all the other ones. He plays like all the other ones. That's a good thing. He'll be fine. Um, yeah. he'll, be, he'll be solid. And then Jake Hansen, the center out of Oregon, who is a lower-rated center. But if you're going to pick a lower-rated center, Jake Hansen is not a bad, uh, not a bad player to pick. Three players off that line now getting drafted: the center Jake Hansen, the guard Shane Lemieux, and the tackle Calvin Throckmorton, who will probably kick inside to guard. But that's three players off a college offensive line being drafted in the same year. That's pretty darn good. Um, and then uh, they just picked up Simon Stepaniak from. Indiana, who's another guard, so they got two guards and a center. They did get some of that offensive line help that NFL.com said they needed. Um, none of those guys are are, are high runners. Runyon, Runyon probably has the best chance uh, to come in and contribute immediately. Hanson, I think, will be a capable interior backup, and Stepaniak, um, we'll see. I think he's you know he's roster competition. All right, well, that's the 2020 draft for us. Uh, do you have any other big picture impressions that you wanted to share about this class? You put in a ton of work. Uh, yeah. We've, we've worked you wire to wire. Um, any kind of parting thoughts? Yeah, it was super fun. Um, none of the technology uh, maelstroms that everybody was predicting, you know, befell the NFL draft. It actually went pretty smoothly, I think. Uh, which is pretty cool. Um, people got to focus on football, which is also fun. The world hasn't been the greatest place of late, and the ability to just kind of have the escapism of focusing on what your favorite football team did or didn't do is is uh, a relief, I think. And um, you can really change your team over the course of, you know, obviously months and months of work, but really three days of the NFL draft, you can come out with a very different outlook. And Always interesting to see where teams put their resources in relation to what they're chasing, right? right? And I think case in point for that, the Denver Broncos, right? Ooh, yeah, they are going to be passing the ball. Yeah, Denver Broncos are trying to keep up with what? Their division Kansas rival, City Chiefs. the Kansas City Chiefs, who have had an amazing draft, let's be honest, because they didn't need a whole lot. They just won the Super Bowl. Uh, but listen to the start of the first five, the, the first seven picks of the Broncos draft. Jerry Judy, the all world wide receiver from Alabama, incredibly right. talented, will start right away. KJ Hamler, the guy that you really liked in I the know. slot, blazing fast. Michael Ohimudia from Iowa, who you follow, I know, is a corner, good zone corner, not my favorite guy, but has length, fits in Fangio's system for sure. Lloyd Cushenberry. Best interior offensive lineman in the draft. He will sit in front of Drew Locke for the next seven or eight years, and nobody's touching Locke. He is, his ability to anchor is unparalleled. McTelvin Ajim from Arkansas, who I think is a really good defensive tackle, sort of five tech, has quite a bit of pop. And then they go and get Albert O, the tight end from Missouri, who's a big guy, runs really fast. And I was like, Albert O, they already have Fant, right? Right. And I'm like, Fant and Alberto running like <laughs> seam routes? Get and out add Cortland Sutton in there. Yeah, I mean, you've got Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Fant, Albert, like, Philip Lindsay. They're going to be fun. That is, a, that is a track team. They're assembling a point making machine to try and keep up with KC because they know right. they need it. And 
it you know it's always interesting to watch drafts like that because you go oh we know what they're thinking about like their their true intentions and sort of true worries are revealed and um you know not surprising that a team like the ravens every year i say this the ravens have that draft right you look at the draft when you're done and it's like it, it reads like a first round i mean patrick queen jk dobbins justin matabuke devin duvernay malik harrison uh, Tyre Phillips, Ben Bridison, the other, the better Michigan guard. Um, James Prochet is a huge deal for them in the sixth. Best hands in the draft, wide receiver from SMU. And Geno Stone, your guy from Iowa. Like, down in the seventh, they're still picking guys whose name you know who are like, well, comes from a good program. Yep, he's a solid player. Like, right. that's the Ravens every single year. So um, you look at a couple teams and you're like, man, they just do it every year. They know how to do the draft. Look at other teams and you're like, what <laughs> mm-hmm. um john schneider in seattle had a crazy draft right picked a linebacker from texas tech who i think is pretty good with patrick queen still on the board the number one interior <laughs> linebacker amazing. you're just like what um so you know i did a bunch of reactions for the field goals podcast the seattle coverage on sb nation and they were really happy when i called right after jordan brooks got picked because nobody in the room knew who he was Oh no! <laughs> they were like, "Do you know about this guy?" I was like, "Oh yeah, I scouted him. He's like a fourth round player. He's a good player. Nothing against Jordan Brooks, but he is forever going to be linked to Patrick Queen. He's going to be like he got picked one pick before Patrick Queen. Not saying Brooks won't be a good backer, but Patrick Queen to the Ravens. Come on, like it's a perfect. The rich just get like they richer. could not have hoped for no, any better. No, absolutely not. So it's not Brooks's fault, but John Schneider doesn't give an f. He is like, I don't care. Like I'm a pick who I'm going to pick. And so it's it's just the draft is such a fascinating animal. That's why I love it. I really appreciate all the people who listen in, the people who tuned in the live stream, the people who read the stuff on WCG. It's why I get to do what I get to do. And for me, it's a passion. It's super fun. Um, just happy if it brings any sort of knowledge, enjoyment, uh, <laughs> hilarity uh, as I eat chicken wings on camera uh, to you throughout the weekend. <laughs> I'm happy to provide it and couldn't do it without you folks. So thanks very much. Well, we're past the 80-minute mark. Let's talk about beers and let's get out of here. Mine was like super sour. I know it's a sour, (laughs) but it was a lot more sour than I expected. Actually, kind of towards the end, I was like, "Eh, I I finished it, but um, I could have done with probably like a half a pour of it. Like I think six ounces would have been enough. One you could could split with your wife? Well, yeah, I, you know, I really like it when you do the sours and you add a little bit of fruit to balance it, a little bit of sweetness. And so that's that's kind of my wheelhouse. This didn't have that. It was just a straight-up sour. And by the end of it, I wasn't really feeling it. But what about you? Got it. No, Fremont Lush is great. Um, Fremont's slogan, Fremont Brewing slogan is because beer matters. <laughs> I love that. Um, it goes down really easy. It's quite clean. It's got a little bit of crispness. I wouldn't say fruitiness to it, but uh, sort of that yeah, floral isn't the right word for it. It's just got a very fresh kick at the end of it. Um, makes it very easy to drink. Um, yeah, there's just it. It's a very well crafted beer of the style, and uh, I enjoy it a lot. So it went down very easily. I've uh, got a couple more in the fridge, and I'm not at all upset about that. So shout out to Fremont Brewing in Seattle. You guys do a great, great job. Love your stuff. Awesome. You want to get us out of here? Yeah, absolutely. So we've told you where to follow our work, but both of us on WCG, Windy City Gridiron, the Bears site on SB Nation. Lots of our colleagues churning away extra content there. We've been super active during the draft. Of course, you can follow the podcast there. Make sure to follow the other podcast there from Lester Wilfong with T-Formation Conversation. Bear with me with Robert Schmitz. Um, uh, 
Bill Zimmerman's podcast there as well, all bringing you tons of Bears information. And we'll continue to do that with draft class recaps. Like Jeff said, UDFA follow-ups. The UDFA tracker is probably already up if I know Lester. He's fantastic with that. So, so much fun there. Um, Tons of side projects for Jeff. Uh, Follow me at Bootleg Football on YouTube or any of your favorite podcast outlets. And uh, until next time, which shouldn't be all that long, have fun. Enjoy this draft class. It's been a ton of work. Bear down.